0: Hi guys, welcome to this emergency episode of the Sis podcast. Myself, Ritvik, the host, and today I'm joined by Sudesh, who's going to be the co-host of the show. And we're going to be, you know, obviously ranting about the European Super League and you know, why we think it's a complete disgrace to football as a whole and why it's a complete disgrace to the fandom why it's a complete disgrace to the football universe as a whole. Sudesh welcome first of all I mean it's been a while right? Yeah I
1: mean it's been a while and considering the situation like we've been quite busy like these past 24 hours and yeah it's been quite a while considering that a lot of events have happened in this space. So, yeah, I mean, very busy and it's been a while since I got to Nutmeg Arena. And uh, what a time to be at Nutmeg Arena.
0: Yeah, I mean, just in case you forgot, we've rebranded from Dinebd Arena to Dinebd Magas' podcast. Just <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 f- it's just it's just like rebranding from the Champions League to the European Super League. I, nah, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. This is more of a, you know, practical change rather than some disgraceful wine. And I mean, the first question that I want to ask you is, but just before that, when, when I just heard this news yesterday, when I heard the rumors go out yesterday and when people started picking this up, I thought, all right, this probably might yet again be another pressure tactic. It could end up as a pressure tactic. Then I just went to sleep. I wake up today morning and I see that the announcement's already made. There's already mm-hmm. a website set up. Then I see clubs one after the other, you know. That even includes the club I support Liverpool and it might become the club that I supported. There could be an E D and at the end, probably after probably after three, four months. I'm not sure. But when I heard this today morning, when I saw the confirmation, I was absolutely shocked. I mean I I just can't believe what just happened. And I and I was trying to you know think I was trying to think, you know, what the logical reasons were And I I couldn't find much. I mean, probably, yes, for these clubs, financially, they want to become superpowers, they're going to become superpowers. But what next or what is the case for the rest of the teams? What happens to the rest of the footballing world? So I just want to ask you, what was the first reaction when you actually saw the rumor and when when the news was confirmed? I mean, uh, it was
1: not as um, surprising as your... Um, reaction to this because i mean i saw every club announce it uh one by one on twitter and then it was like i mean surprising in a sense because i didn't expect this to come in this quick succession because uh you know in 18th of april uh, even in the evening like there, there were rumors that okay a super league might be announced soon and then it became might be announced this evening and then In the evening, the inevitable just happened. Like clubs began announcing, even twelve clubs announced officially that they had become the founders of the European Super League. So, uh, the rumors have been here ever since the 21st century began. We know these kind of talks used to happen, and we always thought these kind of talks were something that were that was ideal. But now, since it has happened, I was kind of my first reaction was not. I was not surprised, but I was kind of disappointed that it finally happened. So, in my case, it was utter disappointment and of course, uh, I can relate to you to the fact that my club is also involved in this and I feel very, you know, for the fact that not even disappointed uh, can justify it. I feel grieved because I never expected this to happen this quick and with uh, the clubs like uh, Liverpool and Barcelona involved in this.
0: Yeah, I just want to list out the 12 clubs who kind of stood out as a disgrace to a lot of fans. So, before moving on to further talk, I just want to list out the 12 clubs. 6 clubs from England, 3 clubs from Spain, 3 clubs from Italy. The 6 clubs from England being the big 6, the big 6 as they are called. Manchester City, who are owned by a complete state, which is the UAE, Sheikh Mansour. They are owned by an oligarch, an entire state, and Sheikh Mansour, that's Manchester City. Liverpool are being owned by John Henry and Fenway Sports Club, another big businessman who, who, who has spent years and years saying that they care about the club, they care about the fans. Another owner, Chelsea, Russian billionaire oligarch Roman Abramovich. Moving on to Tottenham, Joe Lewis, British billionaire, he's he's the owner. Daniel Levy also playing a big part there. Manchester United, who's who's owned by one of the worst ownership. In, in football right now, the Glazer family, American Billionaires. So, at Arsenal, of course, Stan Kroenke. I mean, Arsen Wenger, when he was there, he, he kind of stood against everyth- everything that, that was supposed to you know fall like this. Every, every I mean, he stood for all the ethos the club held. He stood for all the ethos that football had for a long period of time. Then he slowly started seeing things. Gobesek and he he's right now he's he's not under contract or anything, but Arsenal, Stan Kroenke, another another American billionaire who also owns a club in NFL, if I'm not wrong. So these are six English clubs who are the villains. The three three Spanish clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona. They say that they are fan-owned, but they have pres they've recently had presidential elections. And John Laporta of Barcelona won the election massively with support from the sources, with support from the Barcelona fans, all over social media. What was the support for? That's a question I guess we need to ask. Real Madrid, they elected Florentino Perez again, who is supposedly the mastermind behind all this, according to various reports. Atletico Madrid once again owned by Miguel Angelkin Marin, who was convicted actually of you know taking out over 20 million Out of Atletico Madrid, at the club, early in I mean early part of the century. So you have owners like this, and also three Italian teams. I mean, I might I might actually not want to speak about Andrea Agnelli, who is the owner of Juventus, who who also owns Fiat. If I'm not wrong, the way he snaked UEFA. I know UEFA are no good people here in this debate as well, but the way he snaked, the way he maneuvered everything, that, that this is absolutely awful. Inter the other club own, owned by billionaire Zhang AC Milan once again owned by the Americans Elliot Management Fund so they they, they are app- apparently you know labeled as the vulture fund as well so these are the 12 clubs these are supposedly the clubs the legacy clubs that, that this are supposed to be known as legacy clubs i know this probably might be a joke because the likes of atletico madrid spurs that is Tottenham and Arsenal have a combined zero Champions League titles for European Cups. Which is quite funny. So, Sudesh, coming on, I, I just want to know your take on Barcelona. When Joan Laporta was elected, I know the were the talks of European Super League and Joseph Bartomeu. and I I, I remember I uh, mean uh, forwarding a post onto a WhatsApp group where Bartomeu completely opened up on the Europe European Super League and said this is going to happen and we were laughing at it if you if you remember i know what what what's the reaction as a barcelona fan or, and what do you think actually about the club's decision
1: yeah i mean uh, let's just uh, start from the first instance like you mentioned uh, when josep maria bartomeu going to resign or in his last speech as barcelona president in his resignation speech I mean, he was the first uh, big name that disclosed European Super League, although everyone knew that something was happening behind the curtains and it had been happening for a long time. Uh, so it was the first shot at European Super League and perhaps the first uh, high profile revelation that something serious was going on. And uh, while we knew uh, Barcelona under Bartomeu were kind of run like a business and they were much more financially focused than what we expect of a particular football club. So, uh, and that happened. And then uh, it was post-Bartomio, the club was kind of run by the interims and stuff like that. But when now uh, the announcement came in, I, I didn't expect Barcelona to be in that list. Just because uh, I still remember Juan Laporta talking in January and opposing uh, the whole notion of uh, European Super League. And uh, while people might argue that, you know, Barcelona might have agreed to the Super League when Bartomeu was in charge, but you cannot ex- absolutely deny the power that Joan Laporta has right now. Uh, so I'm not entirely blaming this on Laporta or to Bartomeu, uh, but it's it's something like when you advocate about something or go against something and sell it to your voters when, in an election, I think you got to stand by it. And Joan Laporta, in this sense, uh, holds a significant power as the Barcelona president. And I think that could have been at least delayed in Barcelona's favor. But since Barcelona have chosen to go with it, I mean, there might be factors uh, such as the financial debt that Barcelona is in, and you know, uh, or they might have already given a word. But I, I still think. Uh, something could have been done if Barcelona were not particularly pleased with this proposal that Florentino Perez kind of created. So uh, Barcelona might uh, be a club that are morally upwards, but I think as a Barcelona fan right now, this uh, clearly opposes uh, what we've always been proud of, the and club uh, kind of notion. And I, I think it's the same kind of thing uh, in the other half as well uh, you as a liverpool fan uh, you might be uh, as disgusted as i am right now so what's your reaction on this a- as a liverpool fan
0: i mean i actually didn't see this coming i, I know we've had like a lot of history under fsg the owners who who you know who took over from the mess that was hicks and gillett who kind of ran our club to the ground but i think the support the supporters union stood for that they they ran out uh, hicks and gillett but then FSC came in, they tried to drive up the ticket prices, the fans you know, protested against that, and they listened to the fans, they tried to trademark the name Liverpool, even the fans protested for the same thing, and there was allegations against as well. So, although they kind of listened to the fans, there was a furlough as well last, last year during the pandemic where they decided to furlough a few staff, and because of the backlash that that they received from the fans, or all over social media, they kind of reverse the decision. So they've kind of been the owners who who made mistakes, a lot of, lot of mistakes, but then backtracked after getting the response or the backlash from the fans. So, so I, I can't say that they've been like horrible owners, but they've, they've actually listened to the fans, but their motive has always, you know, kind of, you know, made me skeptic because it's it's always one mistake or the other and this is probably just the icing on the cake because i mean i don't know it's it's just we are all football fans first right before before supporting a club, we are all football first and then the club so you look at it from a football fan's perspective you look at how this is going to ruin the football pyramids you look at how this is going to you know ruin the whole ethos behind football. You look at how this is going to actually take away the soul that's in the game. I'm not saying it's already been taken. It's it's already been taken, actually uh, a massive amount. already been plucked out of the game. We, we all know that, but I know a lot of people have also argued the fact that, okay, th- there's already so much bad in the game. Why are you even crying out right now? One simple answer, bro. I mean, it doesn't mean or if it, If a lot of things have already been plucked out, it doesn't mean you have to allow more bad things to happen. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't just go that way. This is absolutely awful as a Liverpool fan perspective. And I've seen a lot of local scousers who, who are season ticket holders, who are fans of the club, who've been fans of the club for years and years. I've just been supporting the club from 2008. There are fans who supported from the 90s, early 90s. Who supported under Paisley era as well, actually protesting. So this is actually a good sign from the fan base. But when you look at it from the club's perspective, the owner's perspective, this is absolutely awful. This is just this is just similar to a backstep. That that's probably the best, you know, best definition that I can give.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you pointed out just the right thing about uh, seeing football in general and seeing it as a fan and how it ruins the football pyramid. And that, that brings us to a, a question where you, you kind of pointed out that it has already been ruined, uh, or people who argue like that. And I, I agree to the fact that UEFA are not uh, completely innocent or the saints in this thing, but the notion of like selected football clubs, 12 of them going on, And creating their own league is what bothers me. I mean, you can always look at the alternatives like, you know, there were reforms needed, right? Uh, UEFA had its own shortcomings and stuff like that. But the fact that 12 clubs go on and then create their own league... uh, even though they were warned that you can be suspended from your own league and stuff like that, that that shows the audacity. And uh, now let's come to the timings, right? Uh, after the COVID-19 pandemic, we all knew uh, European Super League was a thing ever since the 21st century came in. But how do you think like, the clubs chose this timing? I mean, you know, it can be a perfect excuse that, you know, uh, we are bankrupt and then, you know, the clubs can... To uh, run their operations, if they join the European Super League. So, do you think this was an excuse, or, or was this like the uh, the decision was preponed because
0: of the pandemic? I mean, I mean, it's 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 not a secret that the, the concept, the whole concept of a European Super League or a Super League, has been like uh, in the talk from the nineties, the late nineties. So, I've heard fans say that, that they've they actually heard of the whole thing being rumored from the late 90s, the 1998s, etc. So, this is not this is not a secret. So, this has always been under the cards. But the fact is that UFR somehow managed to hold hold the clubs. But with all these owners having a lot of power in the last decade or more than or one and a half decades... In the footballing world, the likes of Roman Abramovich, the likes of Sheikh Mansour, the likes of John Henry, Florentino Perez. These guys hold a lot of power. And these clubs, these big clubs have dominated Europe. These big clubs have dominated their leagues. And they've they've completely turned it into a money league where the rich gets better while the poor has to try hard and hard to catch up with them. And we see, you know, we, we kind of see a rare case like the Leicester one where... You know they won the league. I mean, I mean that that that's what we want to see in football, right? That's what we want. That's what we want to see in the football. I know it's never gonna be you know fair game in football ever because nothing's gonna be fair in life or the world that we live in. But at least the best thing that you can do is to somehow make this comparatively fair. I know the big clubs might always, always you know have ha- be a level above the rest in terms of financial you know, muscle or the financial power, but at least try to keep it that way and give the ones, give the other clubs a chance. So, this I think has always been under the cards. I think even two years ago, we heard a massive shift in power where these guys were discussing. And I think last season we heard there was a project Big Six being discussed in the Premier League where the Big Six wanted a chunk of power. So, that was completely brushed off with with support from the other Premier League clubs and people. So, i think this has always been under the cards but the timing that they've chosen right now i think i think that they, they've seen a few things so the the there was I, I heard that there was some spokesperson from one of the super league clubs who who labeled fans as legacy fans i'll come to that 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 that, that, that that's probably probably the biggest disgraceful sentence or labeling that i've heard from any owners probably But I'll come to that. But they brushed off some fans as legacy fans. And they said that they're looking for the next generation or whatever. And they also said that they knew this would obviously get a huge PR backlash. So they were expecting this and they said they don't care. So I I don't think the fans' interest was never an agenda for them or never a problem for them. And in addition to that, I think choosing this situation where the pandemic is going, you don't have people coming into the stadium right now. So this probably might be the best time to introduce that considering you don't get direct protests in the stadium and you don't get massive backlash or people coming in the stadium and, you know, hitting or, or probably there's, there's no chance of violence or, you know, a mass direct in-person protest. So I think they picked the time very wisely and at the end of the season as well. So, I mean... Uh, yeah, that that's probably what I want to say again. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, nothing can particularly stop the influx of fans, uh, provided that we've seen uh, Old Trafford and Anfield being occupied by fans with uh, special messages that we all fans echo. And now, uh, since we've talked about the big clubs, now let's let's talk about the small clubs. I mean, small clubs have been very vocal about their opposition to this whole notion. Uh, the likes of Real Betis uh, or even uh, Moscow and clubs from all around England, Spain, uh, opposing this notion. Uh, so uh, how, do, how do you feel, how do you view the initial reactions that the uh, small, uh, so-called small clubs by these big powers, uh, how do you see the reactions that they have given in this first uh, 24 hours of the announcement?
0: I think whatever we've seen from the clubs, you know, I, I don't want to label them small clubs, like you said, uh, because I think right now it's probably not, not the best time to label them small clubs because they deserve massive respect for the way they've gone about with their business. So, imagine being a club or imagine being Leicester who are run so well from top to bottom. They've actually taken years or they've actually taken years to become a stable club. You look at the whole club, Leicester. The way they've run, they have run, they're too good in transfers. They have a really good backroom staff. They had a really good. They have a really good coaching staff. They have a really good squad. Their club is run really well from top to bottom, financially as well as in all the other areas as well. You you ask me a club that is well run. Leicester is a classic example, and they're not one among the big six. They're not one with a huge tradition of winning European titles or anything. So they're just a club who, who come to the Premier League, who won the Premier League against all odds, found uh, found ways to you know, make the club stable and compete against these top teams. So imagine being a Leicester and and, and and watching these big clubs completely brush you aside and start their own thing where they get more money and they still want to play in the domestic leagues and you know, and get a massive advantage with all the money. So imagine being that's it and especially just see the way Arsenal Football Club is run. It's absolutely shambolic the way the club is run. So imagine being a Leicester fan or, a, or someone from the Leicester board and seeing the likes of Arsenal go there or seeing the likes of Arsenal be, be, be mentioned among the biggest ones, the biggest clubs and getting introduced to a completely new league where they get advantage for no merit whatsoever. So that 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 has to irk you a lot. I know this probably is coming out as a rant from my side, but I don't think I can stop this probably for today. So, yeah, that that that's that's my whole view actually. I I think whatever the these clubs have actually posted so far, I have seen Wolves actually post a really nice video. I really like the way they put that message out. I've seen Borussia Dortmund as well speak out. Although Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich are two of the clubs. Who are invited and that's still in under the process so i just don't want to bring them in completely or make them look like the same completely so so i think whatever criticism these clubs who are not invited to the esl or who, who are completely left out have shown i think it's all very much warranted yeah
1: i mean I, I like the fact that you took an example of uh, leicester city and Uh, what better example of football winning at all costs than Leicester City's Premier League winning campaign? And, you know, what what concerns me in this uh, situation is uh, if we are to see a European Super League and if we are to see clubs like Leicester City thrive, it's not possible at the same time. Uh, European Super League... Uh, being the top, like if it's founded and if it's executed, will be the top most uh, competition in Europe and probably in the world in terms of football. And I cannot see teams like Leicester City, Sevilla hold on to stars that they are doing right now. I mean, Jamie Vardy has led Leicester City for quite some time now. And I, I don't see players having that motive to kind of stay or, you know, not be in the proper topmost uh, competition. And that is that is a platform that I think UEFA uh, Champions League definitely provides the clubs, uh, provided that we've, we've seen Leicester play it, and we've seen some incredible stories coming in. Um, and in that regards, I mean, we've talked about money, we've talked about the intent, we've talk, uh, talked about the football pyramid, uh, and in that sense, like, you know, the pure essence of football or thinking as an emotional uh, footballing, de- uh, footballing uh, idea uh, that hampers not only fans but incredible football stories as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean and, and what surprises me the most is that Bayern and PSG have remained out. I know both these clubs are no Saints. They they are massively involved in sports washing as much as the fa- as much as the fans of these clubs would you know hate hearing. These two clubs probably are two good examples of sports washing. And Carl Heinz Rumaniga, who was who who is also rumored to have had a massive, you know, influence in the formation of a super league because he has been he's been provoking this idea for long and that's that's always been out in the media and right now he's saying he he, he doesn't want a, a, a you know a super league or something so I'm not sure how that or I'm not sure how Bayern or Dortmund are gonna you know or where Bayern or Dortmund are gonna end up because I certainly don't see a European Super League without Bayern Munich. So, I, I still think there is a good chance we might see them sometime. But, yeah, I think whatever is happening, it's not for the right reasons whatsoever. But, probably moving into the last part of this rant. I, I don't want to call this podcast. This is probably more of a rant than a classic <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on to the last part of this rant. I just want to ask you, Sudesh, what you feel is going to be the players' reaction or the manager's reaction or even the club staff's reaction to this? Because, I mean, I heard this report from Melissa Reddy who 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 works for who, who wrote for the Independent that mm-hmm. none of the club staff were informed, the players were in loop, neither were the managers. So, they're all actually frustrated by the way this has come out in the media. So, what do you think or how do you think they'll respond?
1: I mean... Um, Yeah, reports have emerged that neither of the backroom staff or the players or the coaches were informed when these big 12 uh, European sides decided to join the European Super League. And uh, that uh, in itself is a very sad thing because, uh, I mean, players and coaches and backroom staffs are a big part of the club. I mean... I mean, the starting 11 or the players might be actually the running uh, board for any football club. And they were not consulted. And uh, I just saw Simon Hughes' report on The Athletic. And he also uh, revealed a letter that uh, Liverpool's chief executive sent uh, the internal staff after uh, the decision was made. So even... Uh, that goes to an extent that even the executive staffs were told after the decision was made. So I, I think this is very unfair to the whole football fraternity. You know, uh, we can understand uh, that clubs are going through bankruptcy. We can understand that uh, functioning in normal circumstances can might not as well be as normal as they used to be pre-pandemic, but. Uh, deciding on something as huge as this one, which creates ripples not only in the football world but throughout the whole uh, globe, and not referring to your players, not referring to your coaches, and uh, even not referring to your backroom staff or the executive staff, is in itself a disgrace. I mean, the decision itself is a disgrace, as we've talked of, talked about it uh, for the last uh, thirty minutes or so, uh, and. Players not having a say in this uh, is itself a disgrace. And now, uh, talking about what players will do with this, I mean, players are under contract with their clubs. And if the clubs decide, it's up to the players uh, that they should play. And uh, they will play, if the, provided that the clubs decide to go in the European Super League format. And I just I, I saw... Uh, A statement made by RFEF uh, that uh, kind of reiterated uh, the fact that players need to be protected under these circumstances and should not come in between of the two attractions, the two forces that is uh, these 12 clubs and uh, the FIFA and UEFA governing bodies. So in this case I think uh, footballers have till date until now, remain neutral with exceptions of some football players that have been vocal about it and I think that's the right way to go for it. But uh, I think this is going to be quite an interesting watch provided that uh, this free idea moves forward and what uh, the players will be given off i mean for the decision making process they have not been given any rights neither the coaches but i think uh for the execution part of it if this notion decides to go on it will be an interesting thing to see but uh, i absolutely see players slowly but steadily getting out and then you know having their say on this at least uh on the either side of things so uh, it will be an interesting was uh, and what is, what are your takes
0: on this that's that's actually pretty interesting sudesh but like, like I mean, I mentioned I, I, I just really don't know what's what's really going to happen here. So, um, I, I, I do think that this this whole thing is going to happen eventually, because I don't think there's, there's any way that now that they backtrack. Also, considering the fact that J P Morgan, J P Morgan are the ones who's who are going to fund, and so it's it's pretty. I don't know. uh I mean i mean chris basically sent us a whatsapp message earlier today saying that he, he doesn't see or he hasn't seen any kind of broad plans listed out and I, neither have we right so we don't, we haven't seen any kind of a roadmap or anything list, list, listed out you know for 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 the europa super league maybe that that's all kept under the blanket probably right now for now so so i'm not i'm probably going to roll out that, that that aspect of it But when you look at it from a player's perspective, though, I mean, UFA and the FIFA are saying that they are probably going to ban the players who play for these Super League clubs from international countries and all the confederations and also all the UFA competitions. So how many players would actually, you know, take the risk of not playing or representing their international team and playing for the Super League clubs? That 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 probably is an interesting question to ask ourselves. I know a lot of such questions might pop up, and that's why this this probably is like a two three hour episode, or this probably could be a two three hour episode or chat. I don't want to actually drag it so long because this is supposed to be a small rant an emergency rant. So I think I think we'll probably have to wait and see what happens, right? Uh, to see how people respond. I'm 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 for I for one. I know we are recording this episode just before the Leeds-Liverpool game so I for one I'm interested to hear what Jürgen Klopp has to say so I just want to hear what the people or the players the managers have to say and what happens in the summer is going to be really really interesting considering we also have the Euros
1: yeah I mean up until now up until we uh, are in this podcast uh, it's been like we've just seen developments we've just seen events happening one after the other we're still the feedbacks and the reactions that the players that the managers uh, will uh, will keep on giving us so it, it will be interesting to see in a sense that uh, how uh, things will take turn or how this plan proceeds although we all of us uh, won't uh, even want that plan to go on and on but it, it looks more serious than ever now and uh, the, the last thing that I want to talk about is a uh, the people that are arguing that, you know, this model of football might well be more successful, provided that the American, the American model, as it, it it's called, uh, is already successful with the likes of uh, NFL and stuff like that. But uh, what I think in this matter is that, OK, it, it's a different system altogether. Uh, in European football, you see clubs and they're they're. Grassroot academies and you know they just fight for one dream to play the national league but in america the things are different they have a college level tournaments and then there are are like these ultimate tournaments so i think switching into that format and creating a european super league all of a sudden would definitely hamper the football pyramid and in another another sense it's not in the culture that we want uh to see football so football matches might still happen but like the system the whole disruption is not a price that we want to pay isn't it
0: yeah yeah that's that's a very fair point sudeep and i think probably we've gone way past the time that we, we we were supposed to you know rant and podcast so i i just i'll just probably end it with with this one statement football the football that i know is is probably you know has probably tried to be inclusive as much as possible and that's the kind of football that I want I want and that's the kind of football that I I think a lot of fans want to see we want to see inclusivity we want to see uh, you know meritous awards or we want to see people being awarded based on merit not based on some financial strength and some random businessmen and oligarchs taking some random decisions so so yeah that's probably what that's probably
1: yeah. the way I want to sum up this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to sign off with Marcelo Bielsa quote, of course. Uh, so, uh, sh- like, shall I do the sign off with a Marcelo Bielsa quote?
0: Absolutely, go on. Yeah, so this is going to be a
1: very unconventional sign off. And since this episode itself is unconventional, uh, so here goes Marcelo Bielsa's quote uh, that he said. It goes like, One of the reasons football is the most powerful sport in the world is because the weak can beat the powerful. So, uh, with that, we've come to the end of the episode. Uh, This was a bonus episode for you all. Keep listening to the Not Assist podcast. We'll be here with some more interesting episodes in the future. Till then, bye-bye. On behalf of me, Sudesh, and my co-host, Ritwik. Yep,
0: and one-minute silence for the football that we need.